All right. So the patience of God. Again, we're going to start out with just a general definition of patience. And then we'll go through and talk about how uh, we'll talk about the nature of God's patience and how his patience is manifested. And then specifically how it is um, just in general, how it's manifested, then specifically how we see it uh, manifested through his his warnings and through his uh, threatenings of judgment and delaying of his judgment. We'll talk about that. And then we will also talk about why God exercises so much patience toward us. And then after that, how should we live in light of all of the things that we learn about God's patience? So patience, the meaning of patience is this. It is the suffering of afflictions, pain, toil, calamity, provocation or other evil with a calm, unruffled temper. It is endurance without murmuring or Fretfulness. It's also defined as a calm temper, which bears evils without murmuring or discontent. And another meaning is the act or quality of waiting long for justice or expected good without discontent. And of course, we are talking about the patience of God, but it is good to just start out with a general definition of what patience is. So relating to God, there is a connection between God's power and his patience. It is God's power that allows for him to exercise his patience. Now, God, he is powerful enough to hold back his own wrath. Who else is going to do it except for God? So we see his power in patience. God has power over himself to sustain great injuries without an immediate revenge. And we should all be thankful for that, right? Because if we were to sin and God acted on that immediately, whenever we sinned, we would be doomed. Right. He has a power of patience as well as a power of justice. And we'll talk about a little bit his justice in relation to patience in just a little bit. But his power over himself is the reason why he is slow to exercise his wrath. See, God's patience is not a suffering patience as with man. See, man's patience typically carries with it some sort of suffering. It's it's an enduring of something against your will. So either you you need to uh, you either need to go or hold yourself back from something in your patience against your will in an exercise of your patience. So you suffer the agony of it. There is no suffering with God's 
patience. See, we're we can say that we're patient, but we're still waiting in anticipation of something. And when we are denying ourselves or forcing or I won't even say forcing, but willingly going along with something in patience, there is still that part of us that is pulling in that opposite direction. So we are suffering something with our our patience. God's patience, however, is a patience that willingly endures with and defers the wrath due to his sinful creatures. And though we do suffer in this life, we never suffer as much as we deserve. And that is thanks to the patience of God. Some other words that describe God's patience in scripture are long suffering, forbearance, his his keeping silence. These are all things that describe the, the patience of God and show how God is patient. When we see God's wrath withheld in scripture, we can recognize it then as his patience. That is his holding it back. Even today, whenever we see that God's wrath is withheld, it should be recognized as his patience with his creatures. Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. Exodus 34, 6. It says this. It says, then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. We see there that the Lord is patient. He is compassionate. He is gracious. He is slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. That is who our God is. You know, and a lot of times people want to pit God against Christ and they'll refer to the God of the Old Testament as the angry God who was always wanting to punish people the moment that they sinned. But this verse tells us differently of the true nature of who God really is. And yes, he did punish sin and he does punish sin today, but he is patient. So what is the nature of God's patience, the nature of God's patience? So there is a a distinction between God's goodness and mercy and God's patience. See, mercy sees the creature as miserable and being in need of mercy. Mercy pities the sinner. Patience, however, sees the sinner, the creature, as criminal. Yet, patience bears with sin. Mercy would have no room to act if patience did not prepare the way. Patience is the first whisper of mercy. 
That's a quote from uh, from Stephen Charnock. The goodness of God is something that we have discussed over the past few weeks. We talked about his goodness and how God's goodness extends to all creatures. Patience, however, regards that man or woman as a guilty creature. So his goodness extends to all his patience regards that man or that woman as a guilty creature. So patience, as it relates to God, could be viewed as a temporary sparing to allow a change of heart, a temporary sparing to allow a change of heart. Ponder for just a moment the fact that if sin would not have entered the world, it would not have been necessary for God to exercise patience. Think about that. See, these are things that we don't consider much. But if sin would not have been introduced into this world, why would God have to exercise patience? goes back to how he had created man in his original state, upright, holy. If man would not have sinned, he would have continued on being holy. The seed that he produced would have gone on in holiness. So why, when everything is holy, everything is perfect, everyone is honoring God perfectly, why does he need to exercise patience? It's because of sin. God's patience is by no means a deficiency within his character or person. In other words, his patience is not weakness, but it is, again, a display of his power. Like we just talked about, he sees All of the wicked things that take place in this world. There's nothing that escapes his sight. And there will be a time when an account will be given for all of those things. See, God in his power could take the life of any person at any time. He created the world with just a word. We don't stand a chance against his power. Therefore, we should never view his patience as weakness. It is not a deficiency in the character of God, but it does show his power. His power is on full display with his patience. As we've uh, mentioned over the past few weeks, see, God, he's not a tyrant and he does not need to act out in uncontrollable passion. That's not how God acts. Everything that he does, it serves a purpose. There is no wasted act on the part of God, even when he acts out in in wrath and we see his wrath. It serves 
a purpose. There's nothing that God has done ever that did not serve a purpose. But acting out in uncontrollable passion, that is how tyrannical men act, not God. And it is more a display of weakness than it is of power. Proverbs chapter 16 Verse 32, Proverbs 16, 32. It says, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. So. If you want to display strength, want to be able to display strength, exercise patience. See, this is counterintuitive to what the world says to do. See, the world says to get revenge. Take what's yours. You know, don't wait. If someone wrongs you, go back. Get retribution. The Bible says be patient. So if we want to exercise or uh, display strength, then we have to exercise patience. We can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we may be able to do a little bit on our own, but we as believers, we don't want to get used to doing things in our own power. Thank God for his grace for when we, you know, don't even Think about doing things that we should that we're supposed to do, yet we do them, you know, without giving him consideration. But we never want to forget about God. We want to do everything in the power of the Holy Spirit. And patience is something that we need to display. It's something that only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. God's power, it is said, is shown more in patience than in creating the world. Think about that. See, he created the world again just with a word. Now, this world that has sin introduced into it. Even though the Lord knew what was going to happen perfectly, he knew what was going to happen. It has sin introduced into it. And the Lord, through his power, is patient with his creatures and does not just destroy them automatically. So just think of the great power. And God is not going against Himself. He's not violating any of his other attributes when he when he shows patience. He's not um, going against his justice. And again, we'll talk about that uh, here in just a little bit. But just think of the power. Think of when something happens yourself, something that you witness, something that may happen to you or some injustice that is done to someone else. Think of how you feel in that moment, the righteous anger that you feel 
in that moment that wants you. You, you know, you want to go and make it right. Do something about that injustice. Stop it. You know what I mean? You want to do something to stop it. But the Lord in his power, think of how holy he is and how the most minor infraction of sin. It's it's treason toward him. But yet in his patience, he does not automatically destroy In this verse. We've uh, read this verse a few times here, but Romans chapter nine, verse 22, it says, what if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience, vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. He's a patient God. It is his power by his power that he exercises his patience. And what an awesome display of power it is for a God who is holy to be patient with such wickedness as we see in the world today. See, God doesn't look at it the same way that men do as, oh, this is just how people are and it's just the sign of the times and everything. No, no. God hates sin. It's never excused. He never looks at it as, oh, this is just how people are. No, he is being patient the whole time, withholding his wrath. The whole time. But what an awesome display of power it is for God to be patient. The things that are going on in the world today, abortion, babies being murdered in the womb of their mother. Since 1973, now we're over, what, 65 million babies that have been murdered here just in the U.S. And those are just numbers that are reported. Think of the numbers that are not reported in the U.S. Like now, where the abortion ban was celebrated, but it's still legal in all 50 states. Still legal. Women can order pills online take that pill and murder their child without prosecution. You know, no threat of being prosecuted or held liable for that. So 65 million image bearers of God. Murder. You mean to tell me God is not patient? And the thing about it is they want it to be even worse than what it is now. They'll go full term, even the baby being outside of the womb. Some have even argued for wickedness. Why? Why does God not end it? It's his patience. It's patience. Transgenderism, an attack. On the image of God. Think of the sickness of pedophilia. Terrible. Terrible. The attack on (coughs) marriage. Which God ordained as holy. Think of it. 
at any moment he would be justified in destroying all of his creation. And justified in sending us all to hell. How could we complain? How could we complain? We could not. See, he's holy. He is patient. Patient. Though God patiently endures such things, his patience is seen greatly in the death of his son on the cross. How so? Because of the benefits that are experienced by all through the death of Christ, especially by those who have not been savingly redeemed. See, the the blood of the lamb who was slain is so powerful that even the unbeliever benefits from it. Though their soul has not been redeemed, Christ's blood purchased their life and the stay of execution for the purpose of grace being offered to them. Second Peter chapter two, verses one and three. Second Peter, chapter two, verses one and three. And this is speaking of uh, false prophets, but just listen to the language here. It says, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Verse three, it says, and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. But if you go back up to the end of verse one, it says, even denying the master who bought them. See, these are false teachers, false prophets, not ministers of God, not believers. But it says that the master bought them. Who is that master other than Jesus Christ. Now, it doesn't mean that they are redeemingly, uh, you you know, that they have been uh, savingly redeemed. No, but Jesus is Lord. He is God. He has ownership over everything. There has not been anything created in this world that he does not own, including you, including me, including every unbeliever. He has sovereignty and dominion over all things. His blood, his blood purchased their life. How? Because through what Christ did, that allows for God's patience, that allows for his grace, that allows for his mercy. 
But see, it was a stay of execution on those who do not believe in Christ. The blood of Christ is powerful, powerful. Grace was discovered in Christ and patience also in Christ. The coming of Christ was the reason for God's display of patience in the Old Testament. The gathering of the elect is the reason for his patience now. See, God, by delaying justice through patience, he does not violate the, the truthfulness of any threat of wrath that he puts out there. See, Adam was was threatened with death should he eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He disobeyed that command, but he did not die immediately. But see, this was because of Christ, although it was not fully realized or clearly revealed at that point. Christ was the surety whose death honored God more than the death of Adam would have. God, rightfully so, could have killed Adam on the spot, could have killed Eve on the spot. But you go back to Genesis three and you see that first proclamation of the gospel and you see that there is something more, something greater than Adam. See, there's no disagreement between God's patience and his justice. For his justice has been glorified on Christ and his patience is in perfect harmony with his justice. If it were not for Christ, if it were not for Christ, there would not be the patience that we see right now, that we experience right now from God. Because it's because of Christ and the unbeliever. They don't recognize that. They don't recognize that, but it's up to us to help them understand, to preach the gospel, to share the gospel, and to let the unbeliever know that it's only because of God's patience that he does not destroy you because of your sin. God's patience is not void of Reason. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine. It says the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. See, the Lord's 
patience is toward God's elect. To whom the promise is made. See, there is not one of God's elect who will not make it into heaven with him. The Lord knows when the last of the sheep will make it in. And at that time, his patience will be shut up and his wrath will be poured out on those who are not clothed in the righteousness of Christ. As one writer put it, he says, justice has all eternity to demonstrate itself. But patience has time as its only opportunity. Think about that. Justice has all eternity to demonstrate itself, and it will be demonstrated in eternity. Patience, once time as we know it, is up. No more. No more. Any questions or or comments before we move on to talk about how God's patience is manifested? Yep. It's justice has all eternity to demonstrate itself. But patience has time as its only opportunity. You're welcome. All right. So how is God's patience manifested? So, again, to Adam and Eve. He could have struck them dead. What was the command to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? The day that you do it, what's going to happen? You die, (laughs) right? You die. But God allowed Adam to live 930 years. That's how his patience is shown. To the Jew and Gentile alike, his patience is manifested. He was patient with Israel in the wilderness through the time that the temple was brought down by Rome. So Israel in the wilderness, God is patient with them all the way through the time that the temple was brought down. A span of about 1,500 years, God's patience. He is patient with those who continue today to violate his law. I mean, take a look at, at Romans chapter 1, which we are familiar with. Romans chapter one. And starting in verse 21, it says, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. 
Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Are those things not evident to us today and we don't even have to go through one by one all of the things that happened but any one of those is cause for God's wrath he would be justified in his wrath we do see judgment though but his wrath he would be totally justified to take out those who do such things, who go against him, who abuse his patience. Now, some specific ways that God's patience is manifested in his warnings of impending wrath, which is seen over and over in the Old Testament. One example is with Noah. Before God flooded the earth, he warned. Genesis 6 gives an account of that. All of the judgments of Israel were foretold, as one writer put it, from the famine in Egypt foretold by Joseph to the desolation of Jerusalem foretold by Christ. And all of this. All of this is with the purpose of God not pouring out his wrath. That's why he gave the warning. God warns before he strikes so that men may avoid the blow. He warns before he strikes so that men may avoid the blow. Sharnak says God roars like a lion that men might hear his voice and shelter themselves from being torn 
by his wrath. God roars like a lion that men might hear his voice and shelter themselves from being torn by his wrath. He sent his prophets out in the Old Testament, his apostles in the New Testament. And how does God roar today? One way is through faithful preaching of his word. His ministers are a flame of fire. Have to be committed to teaching the truth of God's word. Preaching of the uncompromised, unadulterated gospel of Jesus, Jesus Christ. And it must be delivered in the darkest places of the world. And in the places where sin is fiercest, the message must be proclaimed the loudest. Because one day, God's patience is going to end. And people need to be warned of that. Whether it is just a one-on-one conversation with them, you talk to them. Give them the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Warn them. Tell them of their condition before a holy God. Let them know. Never hold back the truth of God's word. So whether it's that one-on-one conversation or if it's standing on the sidewalk preaching and facing opposition whenever that's happening, The truth of God must be proclaimed and it must be done with urgency because none of us are promised another moment. And for those of us who are in Christ, yes, absent from the body, present with the Lord, we look forward to that day that we are going to see him face to face. But we know that those who do not know him, we know of the impending danger and it is incumbent upon us to tell them the truth. Do not compromise it. Don't hold it back. You know, that is what we have to do because God is patient. But one day his patience is going to end. Any questions or comments? All right. God delays his threatened judgments, even though rebels do not repent. He delays his threatened judgments, even though the rebels do not repent. Psalm chapter seven, verses 11 through 13. Psalm 7, starting in verse 11, it says, God is a righteous judge and a God who has indignation every day. If a man does not repent, he will sharpen his sword. He has bent his bow and made it ready. He has also prepared for himself deadly weapons. He makes his arrows fiery shafts. 
That's God's word. But see, while he prepares his arrows, he is waiting for an occasion to lay them aside and to dull their points. See, this is God's grace. It's his patience. It's his grace. It's his mercy that we see. Again, he knows full well who is going to come to him. But we see still he is a patient God. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 32 says this. It says, for I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord God. Therefore, repent and live. That's who God is. That's who God is. He he delays his threatened judgments. And this is seen also in the fact that he waited 40 years to avenge himself upon the generation that crucified his only begotten son. He has patience. God carries out his threats with some sense of unwillingness. Again, he is not a tyrant waiting, just sitting back, waiting for the next person that he can destroy. No, that is not who God is. He is a loving and patient God. Lamentations chapter three. Verse 33 says this in this regard, he says, for he does not afflict willingly or grieve the sons of men, for he does not afflict willingly or grieve the sons of men. And that word willingly, he does not afflict willingly. It's literally it means from his heart. He's a compassionate God, slow to anger. Filled with loving kindness. Prophecies that are loaded with judgment are said to be called the burden of the Lord. They're said to be called the burden of the Lord. And why is that? Because they are a burden to those who receive them. And then also on the God who sends them. See, this God's love, his patience, his kindness, it's just, it's unmatched. It's perfect. You know, that's what we have to say. It's, it's perfect. Hosea chapter 6, verse 4, it says, What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? What shall I do with you, O Judah? See, this is not God's indecisiveness for sin, but it shows his loving patience. See, he's not indecisive about what to do. But again, it shows his patience, his his kindness. At any moment, he could strike a sinner down and be fully justified. Some other ways that we see God's patience manifested is in the fact that he does not pour out all of his wrath 
in judgments against sinners. If he did, how could anyone stand? And he continues also to give great mercy to undeserving sinners who provoke him. He's patient. God is patient. I'm going to read another Sharnock quote to you. This is a long one, so, you know, Leela, I can't uh, repeat this one. <laughs> it says this. It says, all this is amazing when we consider our many provocations against God. Let us not underestimate the enormity of our sins. Every one of them is a high treason against the king of heaven. His justice, holiness and omniscience all call out for judgment. But sheer patience arrests the judgment for a season. The number of our sins is staggering beyond calculations. How many sins does one man commit in a lifetime? How many sins of omission can be laid to his charge? How many provocations arise to heaven from the whole earth in just one day? And consider how long God has been patient with this world. For 6,000 years, every corner of earth has partaken of the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering. Not one sin has ever been hidden from him. All are open to his view. How great is God's patience. The angels would be glad to have an order from the throne to destroy this wicked world at once. Only God's patience stops the fury. God is patient. So why does God exercise so much patience? And before we go into that, any any questions or comments? Why does God exercise so much patience? He exercises so much patience to show himself as appeasable and reconcilable. Again, like we talked about earlier, there is no God of the Old Testament, God of the New Testament, God of the Old Testament, Jesus, the New Testament. The same yesterday, today, and forever. That's who Christ is. That's who God is. The Holy Spirit, the same. The triune God does not change. But he shows himself as appeasable and reconcilable. By by his, his patience, he lets men know that they can find him favorable to them if they would seek after him. He continues to give common grace to them. Acts chapter 14, verse 17 says this. It says he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. That is what the Lord does even to his enemies. 
God shows himself friendly indeed even to them, giving them encouragement to repent and ground to hope for pardon. That is God's patience. By his patience, he gives men ample time to repent. He gives them ample time to repent. Second Peter, again, second Peter, chapter three, verse 15. And I'll start actually in verse 14. It says, therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you. Romans chapter two, verse four tells us what the apostle Paul said. And he says this, he says, or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance by his patience? He gives man ample time to repent. God exercises his patience also in order for mankind to continue on. Without it, the human race would be extinct. So that is a reason why he exercises his patience. He also exercises his patience for the continuance of his covenant people. This is his special purpose, Shonak says. He is patient with mankind in general, for out of it, he calls his elect to salvation. It is for his own name's sake that he delays his anger. God's patience, it is for the good of his people, which will be revealed in time. Some things we may not understand, but it is for the good of his people. And he will reveal that to us in time, we just have to continue to trust his word. God's patience also leaves sinners without excuse. It leaves sinners without excuse. In the end, God's holy wrath will be justified all the more. Men reject God's offer of mercy. Yet he is patient with them. They will not be able to give an excuse in the end. So what do we take from this? Any any questions or comments before we move on? All right. So one. Don't abuse the patience of God. Do not abuse the patience of God. See, men take God's patience as agreement for their sin, as if he is an accomplice to 
their crimes. See, God never gives a nod to man's sin ever. See, we can trick ourselves into thinking that we can sin and half-heartedly ask for forgiveness of our sin, half-heartedly acknowledge it and that God is okay with it because in his patience, he's withholding anger and wrath. See, sooner or later, even in the life of the believer, that sin is going to catch up with you. Yes, God is patient. Yes, God is kind. He loves you so much that he will not allow for you to continue on in destructive sin. See, don't abuse his his patience. The unbeliever, certainly not. They should not abuse his patience. But how do they know any better if they don't know the Lord? But they still have no excuse Psalm chapter 50, verse 21, it says, these things you have done and I kept silence. You thought that I was just like you. I will reprove you and state the case in order before your eyes. Every single sin that is committed does not escape the eye of God. And just think about that. Standing before a holy God who is loving, who is kind, who is patient. And he is stating the case right before your eyes. How will you deny it? You can't. How will the unbeliever escape? They cannot. See, God, he's not like us. He's not. He keeps silence. He is patient with us, but do not abuse his patience. See, men will either be softened unto repentance by the patience of God, or they will be hardened and descend to greater depths of sin. So there's a danger when we don't take that true biblical account of our sin and call it sin, not just a mistake. Call it sin. Call it what it is. Deal with it. Don't let it go unchecked, because then your mind in your mind, you're going to say, "Okay, God didn't punish me for this. He continues to bless me. Must be okay." No, you're going to be hardened. And you don't want that to be the case, because guess what? As his child, he will break you. He will, because he loves you too much to allow for you to go on in sin. But see, this is man, even the unbeliever. Either they are going to be softened unto repentance by the patience of God or they will be hardened and descend into greater depths of sin if they continue to rebel against God's patience and his 
kindness. God's patience does have an end. And yes, time as we know it, one day will come to an end. And God's patience will finally end. However, personally and individually, it ends at the end of a man's life here on earth. That's it. It's over at that point. No more patience. See, no one knows when the Lord will call them into eternity. But see, God's patience ends then. For the believer, it's a glorious thing because we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And we go on to be with him in eternity forever apart from sin. So we don't need God's patience anymore. Right. But for the one that does not know God, they go on to eternal wrath. The Lord is slow to anger, but he does have anger indeed. Psalm 103, verse 8, it says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. Another quote, it says, God is slow to pluck an arrow from his quiver and slow to place it in his bow. Yet he hits the mark. His patience slowly taking that arrow out, slowly placing it in his bow. When he lets it go, it's not going to miss. So we don't want to play with God's patience. We have to warn unbelievers. Don't play with the patience of God. The more his patience is abused, the more awful his wrath will be. If a man remains impenitent, he will remember forever in eternal torment how patient God was with him. There will be no more, but he will remember in torment, in eternity. We who are regenerate personally know God's patience and we should not abuse it. Yet, when we get to heaven, there will be no need, again, for God's patience toward us because we will no longer provoke him with sin. In eternity, after time as we know it ends, God's patience will forever be closed up in deity. No more. What comfort do we have in all of this? God's patience proves his grace to his people. God's patience proves his grace to his people. He is patient with the unbeliever, but how much more with his children and his sheep, whom he has called by name. We can trust God because of his patience. See, if he displays what seems to be an unwillingness to punish the unbeliever, how much more should we who strive for holiness trust 
him. God's patience is a comfort in our infirmities. See, what would what would happen if God brought us to account for every sin? He's patient. He's patient with us. One writer said that we wouldn't even be able to offer up a prayer if God would bring us to account for every sin. Think about that. Think about how when you try to pray to God and your mind is interrupted with the sinful thought. If God would take account for that. But see, he's patient with us as his children. How should we live in light of this? It should make us repent often and be more serious about repentance, realizing how patient God is with us. We should not offer up some half hearted sorry to God. No, we want to repent earnestly, be sincere about our repentance to him. And he will forgive. He does forgive. He has forgiven us through Jesus Christ. And we have to accept his forgiveness. But nonetheless, we should repent often and seriously thinking about how patient God is with us. It should cause us to speak up when God's patience is slighted by men, by his enemies, when people attack the Lord and attack things like we talked about, like with, with abortion and things like that, that are a direct affront to God and attack his patience. We have to speak up. We have to. It should cause us to be patient also when the Lord lovingly chastens, chastens us as a loving father chastens his children. We should be patient in that chastening, knowing that God has been patient with us and is continuing to be patient with us, even through that chastening. We should love God more. See, God, he does not number our sins, but we should be mindful of them. We should not go on sinning now that grace abounds. No, we should be focused on killing sin. Remember how holy God is. This is how we should live. Consider God's patience toward you in light of the fact that his patience was not so long with others. Think of others that have gone on before you and they're in eternity now. Think of it biblically. The fact that the fallen angels, whenever they sinned, no patience. Ananias and Sapphira, when they sinned against the Holy Spirit, dead. Right then, right there. Think about God's patience toward you. 
when witnessing to someone, remind them of God's patience toward them and of how they can find him favorable to them should they repent. He is angry with the wicked every day, yet he shows himself friendly, even in that, providing for them, allowing for them to experience the common grace of God. Again, these good things, this goodness only comes because of Christ. And we have to point sinners to him. One last quote, it says, remember, hell is full of people who enjoy the patience of God. Therefore, you must have more than his patience. His patience says that he is appeasable, but it does not say that he is appeased. An appeased God is the privilege only of those who genuinely repent of sin and savingly believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. There is the appeasement. See how it points back to Christ. Don't presume upon the patience of God. And finally, remember God's patience toward you whenever you deal with others. We have to remember his patience toward us. A God that is so loving, that is so kind, that by his power is so patient with us, does not give us what we deserve immediately. He shows that patience to us. Who are we as believers when someone wrongs us to immediately go after them in our wrath? No, we have to take account of how patient God is with us whenever we deal with others. Any questions? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, God, and we thank you for the patience that you show toward us. Lord, you are perfectly patient. We cannot even begin to compare ourselves to you in terms of patience. Because, Lord, we are sinful beings, sinful creatures who need your patience. We thank you, God, that you do not immediately take into account the sin against you. The most minor infraction against you, God, is worthy of eternal death and hell. But we thank you, God, that your patience, your kindness, it leads to repentance so we can Think about our loved ones, our friends. Lord, the, the, the call that you have put on us as believers. And take advantage of the patience that you are showing to the unbelievers. And go out and witness to them.
God, may we go out in love. It is one thing for us to be bold, but Lord, we need your love. We need to display your patience in dealing with unbelievers. We need to let them know of the danger that is impending. Should they not repent of their sin and believe in the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, may we as believers not abuse your patience. Lord, may we be the first to repent of our sin. Lord, to kill the sin that so easily besets us. God, may we be an example to this world. And the only way that we can do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit led by you, God, being rooted in your word. May we be patient with others whenever we are wronged. And may we look to Christ as our example. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.